I want to call a couple people up, uh, but in, in different order, so I'm not going to make both of them stand up here while the other one's sharing their story. If I could get Miss Mary Beavers to come to the front. Um, Mary, is, uh, Mary runs our hospitality team. And uh, if you've been around Fort Worth, especially south, south Side, for any amount of time, you have seen her running some establishment. And she just always ends up being the boss. And uh, pretty soon, Meredith and I feel like she's probably going to be the boss of this place. And so, um, but we're very insecure, so we hold her down. We're like, yo. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but Mary is really just an incredible person. She hosts one of our dinner parties and, um, and has just come such a long way. And what we're in this, we're in this series, but it's really not a series for us. Um, we, we really are a church of storytellers. And whether that looks like you're a photographer, you're a writer, or you're a mom, or you're a dad, or you're a CEO, or you are the cast register person, whatever you are, we are a church of storytellers. Amen? That all of us have something to put into the earth, that all of us have an opportunity to create something in our world, and all of us should have at the beginning, at the front end, a desire to bring heaven to earth with what we create. And, and so we can do that through story. We've, so we kind of started this last week. And so what we wanted to do over these next few weeks is, one, inspire you through other people's stories. I'm going to talk about it today that it isn't just your story, it's our story. And what we wanted to do is just share with you a few stories that are happening in our church. And we, every time this comes up, we go, and maybe you've heard Mary's story to some extent. We've had you share it a couple times, right? And uh, I just think that's okay. Um, there's a reason God set festivals in the lives of the, of the people of Israel, because he didn't ever want them to stop telling the stories of what God had done in them. And, uh, and so I want Mary to share just a little bit of how you've seen Jesus over these last couple years and what God has done um, in your life, through your life, uh, really over the last 18 to 24 months, maybe a little further than that before we kind of started this thing in Fort Worth um, through a few friends of yours. But why, yeah, why don't you go ahead and share? Yeah, oh, we're going back. Um, <laughs> so it's true. I have um, shared a little bit of my story, but I think stories are a little bit like uh, onions. I guess they have layers yeah. So, um, you know, you can, you can pull a piece back and then there's something underneath. Um, we're going to go actually quite a few years back. I grew up in the church and um, was a strong believer. Um, I was very comfortable in the American faith. You know, if I needed God, I just said, God, where are you? And bam, I felt his presence. I felt his presence. So because I could feel God, God was near. Um, Right out of college, I moved to Ghana in West Africa. I was teaching missionary children. Sounds like a lofty goal. Um, it's just a really great way to see the world. Um, so I moved to Africa, away from all my family, away from all my friends, no internet, nothing. And for the first time in my life, when I reached out to God, I didn't feel his presence. And so in my mind, God had abandon me. Hmm. So I spent a couple years reaching out, trying to find my place, uh, making a new place, very immersed in the culture there, then came back and had a really tough time doing that. If any of you have experienced right. reverse culture shock, it is one of the most, it's one of the hardest things you can go through. It really is. Um, you come back to a world you thought you knew and it's completely different or you are. Yeah, um, yeah. and it, it was tumultuous for me. Um, through that time, I, I was, you know, back in church, but it wasn't, 
I, didn't, I still didn't feel God's presence because I had started to move away from him. Um, but anyways, life happens. And um, uh, what most of you don't know about me, even though you've heard some of you know this, but um, about five years ago, I was engaged to be married. Um, June 2014, I was going to marry a man that I loved with all my heart, and I knew God had plans for us, and we were going to do some great things. I was moving to West Africa. I'd known him for 10 years, um, and uh, about four months before we were set to be married, um, in the terms of you young people, he ghosted me, um, completely abandoned, and that is when I turned my back on God. Because I thought either I was wrong or God was wrong. Hmm. And I ran hard. I did because everything just culminated and I just, I threw it behind me and I said, God can't care about me. God doesn't love me. Um, if he did, he would have saved me the pain, the excruciating hurt that I experienced for years. Um, I moved to Fort Worth in 2015, I had to get away from, I was just from Weatherford, so it's not that far, but I had to get out. I had to start something new, do something new. And I began working at uh, Chimera Brew Pub, which, rest in peace, is no longer with us. Um, <laughs> but it was just, it was an amazing place that God really, he really did have for me because I met people and formed relationships with people, all the while running from God, all the while doing my own thing. But he formed those relationships in me, through me. And then I, then I met a couple of women who pestered me to the point of no return to come to this church. <laughs> Amanda Wright and Krista McCurdy would not leave me alone. And I was like, I came to one interest meeting, one. Yeah, and I met I like that. so many people. And everywhere I would go... These people would show up at my work, and yeah. they'd be like, You hey, thought we Mary. actually wanted ice cream. We were no. just coming to see Mary. They're like, hey, Mary. And I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I wasn't coming to the church, but the church was coming to me. Hey. And it was in those moments that I began to experience community because I was like, these people remember my name. These people know who I am. They care about me. And I hadn't experienced that in a really, really, really really long time. And so I just, finally, I was like, you know what? I've got to make some sacrifices and do what I have to do to get back in church. And I need to, to go to a church where my community already was because I built that community outside of church. Wow. And it just, it just took one little decision in my head to say, okay, I'm going there. And man, ever since then, you guys won't let me alone. So <laughs> I, it's kind of... Yeah, right. All our fault. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's you been don't a blessing. want. Yeah. <laughs> no. And and a lot of it was uh, coming back through through the last years. Um, God's really done a lot of things in my life and changed my heart in so many ways. Instead of holding on to what was mine, He's began to pry my my hands open. Mm. And it's not it's not money. It's time. It's possessions. You know, He calls us to be a good steward of of everything that we possess, our time, our money, our possessions, um, our wisdom, everything that you have, he wants you to be a good steward of. Yeah. And 
And I did that with my house. I said, God, you've given me this huge house. I don't know why. I'm a single person. I don't know why I need this. And then God just began to use it in the church. And all of a sudden, my house is full of people yeah. all the time. And Come it's on. just been such a blessing. You know, yes, it takes effort. And some days I'm like, oh, i got to clean that bathroom one more time. <laughs> but, but the blessing outweighs um, the work. Wow. What a story. Yeah, that's just the short version. Short. I, I remember you going through school of leadership. I remember it being such a, a powerful time for some of us who were in the room with you and, and seeing some things. I mean, I remember even on a Monday night, there was one Monday night, it was like three weeks in, and every, all of a sudden everything clicked for you. Like you had been coming dinner party, then Sundays, and then all of a sudden, oh, let's do school of leadership. And, and, uh, and then something clicked for you where it's like, oh, okay, yeah. this, all this stuff. There's still a vision for my life. There's still vision. And I, and I think it's, 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 in, in, it's in the reality of our story that we find the reality of Jesus, right? This is going to be a church that has real people, real stories, and a very real Jesus. Amen? And what she just talked about, this, that God showed up in the midst of it, is, is just absolutely unreal. And we're going to share these stories over and over and over again. I loved her line about the church came to me. And I believe we have to be that kind of church. I believe in a, especially in a culture where there's a lot of people who have been, whether or not this is the correct term, over-churched. They have all the right answers. They know all the right things. They've seen all of it. They've been there. They've done that. For you to go, hey, why don't you come to church? They go, I don't, I don't necessarily need to go to church. I've gone to church. I need some, I need a church to come to me. I need to be, I need the church to be able to sit with me in a coffee shop or restaurant or wherever I'm at work and, and show me what community looks like. Would you give it up for Mary one more time? That was awesome. So good. Come on, some of y'all got a story. Mary's story is not finished, and even a year ago, she would have still told you that story, and she wasn't done yet. Um, I, I need Susan Clark to come on up. Susan's going to share. Interesting enough, interestingly enough, uh, Susan and Mary have similar stories in, in the sense that they both missionaries. Um, obviously, some variance in their story, but... Um, but Susan very soon will be going back. In fact, very soon she's going for a three-week trip uh, to kind of go back to where she has been, and then and later in the year she will actually go back to being a missionary, but that's there's been a journey in between. And uh, so I wanted Susan to, to share this. And then uh, Pastor Mayor, who's working in Brave Kids today, is in here this morning because she wanted to be with us when we pray over Susan. Um, but how, I love a pastor who will go serve in kids' area, right? And brave kids. Isn't that awesome? You want to come up now? You can come up now. Okay. Um, but, yeah, just share a little bit of your story over the last couple of years. Uh, I remember when you first walked in um, and uh, you were with your daughter. Yes. Correct? That was left yesterday for Colorado. Oh, yeah. You've been helping them get ready to move and... And so you, you uh, yeah, so I want to just share a little bit of, of um, what has happened over the last couple of years since that. You, so it's been really in the last year and three or four months because you came. Actually, I came in May last year. May of last year. So it's been less than a year. It was Mother's Day. So, okay, so give us a little bit of a picture of what you were walking in with. And you'll probably have to go back a little bit and so, kind of tell us where you're at now because it's a pretty remarkable story. Well, I'll do, like Mary, I'll go way back. And I'll just give you an overview because it's a very long story. <laughs> um, yes, and so uh, I was not raised in the church. In fact, I was a very wild and rebellious teenager. 
went into deep rebellion, sex, drugs, rock and roll, 1970s. Right. Tells you how old I am. Wild and crazy. And at the very pit of darkness in my life, um, I had a deep encounter with God that transformed my life. I was about to be a homeless person and uh, addict, had addiction in my life and many other things that were there. And I can tell that story another time, but I had a very powerful experience all alone in my bedroom. People had witnessed to me, in fact, in a bar, uh, this friend of mine came to a bar because I had a deep alcohol problem. And this person came to a bar with me and sat across from me. And I'm telling her all these things and telling her about people who witnessed to me. And um, she had gotten saved. She was my partying buddy at one time, dancing on tables and all kinds of stuff. And she uh, had gotten saved, gone to college, and she sat across the table from me and she said, you know, I said, all these people are telling me about Christ. I should just accept him. And she just looked at me with this brilliant light coming off of this transformed person. And she said, you should. <laughs> That's a setup, man. I wish somebody would say that to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah totally. And um, I just, um, it was like, you know, that one of those things where you go. <laughs> and I didn't know what to say. And I said, not here, not now. And so I went home that night, and I actually got on my knees, and I prayed, and I had a very powerful experience where the Holy Spirit came, demons left. I mean, I felt really a spiritual warfare going on. I came up out of that experience, really changed. But then it took a good five to six years for me to kind of get free of a lot of the stuff in my life. Then I felt a call right away when I got saved to go and win the lost and follow Jesus, become a fisher of men. So that started a journey of ministry. Now, I'll end this story here. Got, um, went to Bible school, became a missionary, spent a year in Europe with, youth, with YWAM, came back, met my husband, got married 30 years, 32 years ago this year now, um, and we gave our life to the Lord. We were in ministry full-time for 25 years and raised a family where we were started out at the bottom, became senior leadership, we're pastors, leaders, we were directors of this ministry that I'm going to go back with. And August 2017, three weeks after our last daughter got married, he came and asked me for a divorce and confessed a 20-year double hidden life that nobody knew, that nobody saw, and there was a lot of darkness in there. And I'll just tell you that my world shattered to a million pieces. A million pieces. And as did my daughters and all the other people around us. And he basically just said uh, he got caught because he was doing lots of things in a very dark way. And somebody threatened to expose him. And so he came forward and before he could be exposed. Crazy. Mm. I mean, just crazy. I don't have any words to say. And I'm standing here sharing this in peace, but when I came here in May last year, I was so broken. Uh, I was in, down near Houston. That's where we were living. We had moved down there and from New York State. And we've lived all over because we've traveled all over being in ministry being in different places, and I was down there, 
And I uh, chose to move here because my daughter was here. And I have friends here. We'd been in Fort Worth area before. I'm trying to make this short, but it's, it's going long. <laughs> and anyway, anyway, because I want you to see. So, I mean, I went, I, we were still living together in the same house because I was a ministry, ministry wife. I was a ministry wife. I gave my life to help him do the vision of his heart. I didn't have a job because I helped him fulfill what was in him. So when that happened, you know, I was the support and supported my family, supported him gave up things that were about my life for him to be successful in his life. And I don't say that with any bitterness. I say that with, that was my heart. That was what I wanted to do. And I did it well. Thank you, Jesus. And um, I don't regret a minute of it. But, um, wow, that was really devastating. So we were there moving out of our home, doing different things, putting a 30-year life in storage, moving out of a 3,200-square-foot house. He's, you know, doing it all, setting it all up, putting me in an apartment in Fort Worth, paying all the money, doing all this stuff, and I'm like... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even begin to tell you how bad I was when I came here in May. And so... Pastor Brandon's messages every single time you preached just uplifted me so very much. Going to the dinner parties, John and Kristen's, and just being around people uplifted me so much. When I would be home in my apartment alone, I fought suicide 24-7. And I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a strong woman of God. I am. I'm a prayer. I'm a preacher. And I'm telling you, that thing took the wind out of me like nobody's business. So I'm trying to just make you understand, to see where I came from, which is same journey as Mary, but a different path. And I wanted to say before I came up here that the Lord is faithful. And the scripture is Faithful is he who begins a good work in us yeah, to complete it yeah. to the end. Yeah. And so when we hit those hard times, if we are really leaning into him no matter what, and I've been through some dark times, but this one man I thought, this is it, this is over. I am not going to survive this one. And I'm thankful for this church. Yeah. I'm thankful for you, both of you, but both of you. Your preaching really ministered to me. It was a lifeline for me, and I really thank you. And uh, Mary is another one connected with Mary. And uh, just all of you that I connected with at the thing, but John and Kristen, I went there, and and Mary's now, we're all connected, and you can't get rid of me. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm just just listening. I know. Um, isn't that awesome? You, that was incredible. I'm, I'm kind of done, but I want to tell you where I'm going. Yes, there you go. So, 
through all of this time, just this, this, this church was my lifeline, really. My daughter and my son, son-in-law, and the, the baby that came in September. I have a really good friend, and this church has been this, so much a part of what has helped to heal me. And even if you didn't know, even if you didn't know what was going on in my life, the yeah. fact that you were here, yeah. and I could come here, come and you could hug me, yeah. and I could talk to you, yeah. and I could walk in here, and I could hear a message, and I could be told every Sunday, God loves you, yeah. you know, I, I, I could get through those dark, dark, dark times, and come they on. were dark. So as I prayed, what am I going to do? I wanted to plug in here. I wanted to be a part of this church. But as I prayed and went through all of my struggle, and I wrote a, an update note about that, really the Lord led me through many different things. But one of the things that um, he really led me to is the call that's in my life. I am a missionary. Yeah. And I am called to Guatemala. And I... I go back there. I've been going back there ever since we left. I go to Central America. I have a large ministry, actually, in, in Central America. I go and minister, teach, do seminars, women's ministry. I'm very connected. And so um, the Lord really, through all of it, showed me, this is where you're going on your next step, Susan. Wow. You're going awesome. back. So good. To the place that you have sowed so deeply in your life. Come on. There's a connection that you've yeah. given of yourself to. That's where you're going. Yeah. So I went to talk to Pastor Marion in November when she was here. I shared with her I wanted to come back, and she said, Susan, you're so loved there, you can write your own ticket. Come on. <laughs> come on. Hey. Oh, man. So, do you want yeah, okay. So, um, so Tuesday. So, do you leave no, Tuesday? You leave Tuesday. Well, I just, this morning during prayer, I just kept thinking over and over of a scripture for you, and I thought I made it up, but then I found it in oh. Isaiah. <laughs> so it was really cool, because I was like, I can do that, y'all. I can tweak a little bit on scripture, but you know, anyways, uh, Isaiah 26, 7 says, for those who are righteous, the way is not steep and rough. You are a God who does what is right, and you smooth out the path ahead. And I just kept over and over repeating, man, he's smoothing out the path. You were in my mind the whole time over prayer, just thinking about you and how much, man, you too this morning. Yeah. It's incredible. I just claim that word for all of us as a church, that he is with us through the journey, but, but that he is going before you. And I believe that. I believe yeah. that there's going to be healing. I actually saw healing as you go and extend yourself. There's something that when you minister and you pour out yourself to others, there's something that happens in that moment. You know this. You've yes. been there. You've lived your life doing this. And so I can't wait to hear um, the report of what all is. Three weeks, guys. She's going for three weeks. Yeah. So let me just give you that really quick. I won't talk yeah. long. I can't help it. I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm long-winded. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I'm leaving on Tuesday, the yeah. 26th, returning on April 17th. I'm going, I have an adopted family there that we brought into our family back in 2001 when we were there. They are my children. They call me mom, dad. They're a part of our family. They live 
there near where the mission base is, and I'm going through an orientation to re-enter as a missionary. So at the end of that little week, that's the second week, mm -hmm. then they're all going to announce, Susan Clark is returning to the field, and once they announce that to everybody there, then I can announce it publicly here. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's awesome. And then the third week I'm there, I'm going to be teaching my class, which I've been teaching for 15 years. Every year go back and teach, and it's called Women in Ministry. I got it years ago, and I've developed it into quite a, an intensive class, and yeah. I'll be doing that 45 hours in one week. So pray for me. Yes. And um, that's what I'm going to well, do. That's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. Do that now? Let's do that. <laughs> and uh, she won't be leaving just yet, but we yeah. will. she'll be leaving this week for three weeks, but then she'll come back for a season, and then mm -hmm. she'll be really End of December. Yeah. yeah. End so of December. We'll, still, we'll give her back. Let's pray over yes. her as she goes yes. these three Extend weeks. Yes, extend your hands, church. Let's go. Well, Father God, I just thank you right now yeah. for Susan. God, I thank you, Lord, yeah. that, that what she's been through is not an accident. God, yeah. that what she's been through is not an accident. God, that there is so much strength inside of her that she needed to know. Yeah. I felt like the Lord is just telling me that, that she needed to know that she is stronger than she thinks. Because you, you know you're strong but you're stronger, and there's more. And God, I just pray, Father, that there would be favor over her as she goes. God, this would be just an, an incredible turnaround. God, yeah. an incredible turnaround story of your faithfulness, yeah. of your goodness, of how good you are. God, I pray a protection. God, I pray such a heavenly protection as she goes. God, that she would gain so much more this trip than she ever could yeah. ever imagine in her wildest dreams. God, would you protect her? Would you have favor over her? God, I thank you for finding to be flooding in yeah. in Jesus name God I thank you for finances to be coming in yeah. Lord that she wouldn't have to stand on um, old finances things of her past but God that you are creating a new way for her that you are paving a new way for her to stand on her own in Jesus mighty name God, I thank you that your words are her words, that your wisdom is coming through yeah. her. Holy Spirit, would you do something completely new in this trip in Jesus' mighty name? Amen. 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 Come on. Would you give it up for Susan? Thank you. Hey. Couldn't do it in five minutes. <laughs> All good. How you guys doing? Good? Isn't it cool hearing stories? I, I, I Listen, I know sometimes you come into Sunday, you expect this, 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 this. Let's knock it out. We'll get on to the rest of our day. Uh, but I just want to encourage you. What you just heard is, is possibly uh, the most important thing you can hear. Um, because at some point, the things I'm preaching have to become something that you're living. And we're living together. And, and if they don't, and if you don't hear things like that, then you, you can get caught up in this bubble. You can get caught up in this thing where you don't realize people are walking through things. And the importance of shaking someone's hand when they walk in the door on a Sunday morning. And the importance of inviting somebody and pestering them until they show up. Um, because, believe it or not, I don't know if you just heard this, but Susan just said that Mary is now, the like, Mary is a huge part of Susan's story and how did that happen because someone was a huge part of Mary's story and, and it's the, you, you have to understand that that's we we are so caught up in our culture and, and really in the western church uh, that is a very personal faith that is a very in some ways private faith and even though we will gather with a large group of people we will keep it very much about ourselves and so even when we're listening to messages we can almost make them very much about who we are not necessarily about who we are. 
I want to, I want to, I do want to preach to you. I got a few things. There's a very small chance that I will finish all of this. But I do want to kind of share a couple things with you. And if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 13, and then the worship team is going to come up in just a moment. I, I, I feel like what I want to share with you today should in some ways kind of set you up for the next couple weeks. As we lead into Easter Sunday, which is on April 21st, um, you're going to see a lot more stories, hear a lot more stories as we move that way. I'm excited about next week sharing a story with you um, and what it means to be people who are willing to get involved in each other's story and willing to listen to someone's story. I found that there's no better place uh, to share Jesus, to help people see Jesus, than when you are willing to listen to someone's story. And too many times we walk into a discussion trying to prove something or to uh, argue something when really we should just be listening to someone and hearing their heart and hearing where they're at. But just to give you a bit of a recap, last week we were in Revelation chapter 12, and we talked about this verse that says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Now those are very churchy ways to say that, but by the, by the cross of Christ and by the confession of faith. When we walk in what Jesus has already done and we begin to tell people about it. See, there's something about our willingness to express what God has done in us it, that brings a level of victory and strength that otherwise, if you just hear it but never confess it, it, it just kind of sits and it doesn't actually activate what God is doing and what he wants to do. There's a, there's a level, even in telling that story today, I'm sure there's a level of freedom that every time you share your story, every time you talk about it. In fact, we had this conversation with Nancy Houston when she was here, and she said, what do you, what, we asked her, what do you do when someone who's walked through sexual abuse or walked through some things like that? And she said, I just let them talk. I just want to hear the story. In fact, I'll let them tell the story over and 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 over again until they realize that that story does not have to be the rest of their story. And, and there's something about us being willing to confess and talk about. And in fact, the Revelation, if you look at other translations, it talks about what we would tell people, what we would proclaim about the goodness of God. And then we mentioned 1 John 1, 1 through 4, which, which I absolutely love. I'm not going to share all of it. But it, it says at the very end, he says, I tell you these things so that you could share in our joy. In, in other words, I'm going to proclaim or talk about, I'm going to tell you about these things so that you can actually enjoy what I'm enjoying. So that you can complete the joy that's in me. And, and, and so you would see this even in Paul's letters. Paul would write these types of things. I want to say this. You are the letter. You are the thing to be written. You are, the, you are the story people should read so that they would know what God has done through us and through you. And it would bring me such amazing joy. See, I believe this. That the lie that this is a private faith. The lie that this is somehow something you should keep quiet. That thing in and of itself I think is, is part of the reason many of us are stunted in our growth and stunted in our maturity and actually don't find the joy in believing because the joy in believing is found also in the joy of telling. And when I tell these things, when I talk about these things, when I share these things, I mean, I can imagine John and Kristen sitting up here listening to Mary's story, how much joy they find because they were the ones who pestered Mary to be here. I couldn't imagine the person who sit, sat in a bar with Susan and how much joy they find because they know that Susan standing up here in the worst difficult season of her life is now going back to the place 
And she's going, to mission, she's going to be a missionary. She's going to share the gospel. How much joy that person has. See, some of our joy, we, and we get so quiet and we get so, we get protected. We, we, ah, I don't know if I should do this. We're so polite here in Texas, right? Well, I shouldn't say anything. I shouldn't bring it up. And it doesn't mean that you have to be on the corner holding a sign. That's, in fact, I would suggest not doing that. But, I, but, but it does mean that at some point in your life, if this actually matters to you, you say something about it. And it won't always go perfectly. Listen, not every story is for everyone. Your story may not resonate with somebody. Your story may, but it will resonate with somebody. And that somebody will, will thank you someday. Because they, they realize that, oh, you know what, there is, there is, there is some, a space for me where I can walk this thing out. And I can be in pain and in difficult and challenge. I can walk through uh, disbelief. I can walk through some of those things and still find community. I want to be a church where we create an environment where people can walk in with their questions, walk in with their hurts, walk in with their offenses, walk in with some of their baggage and go, oh, I can be here. And we'll be a church that gets down on our knees and washes their feet. And so we want to be a church that, that propels and, and talks about and empowers story. And we don't want this to be just something that's shared on a Sunday morning. We don't want this to be something that, oh, well, you can only share your story when you have a mic and your pastor gives you permission. We want you to be people who, who are empowered to share your story whenever, wherever, however you need to. Now, we're going to challenge you to do that over these next several weeks. Because, I listen, we, I, I, well, I appreciate the, the kind words about my sermons, and I, and I love preaching. I think it's amazing. You know where we're going to really change a city? Uh, you and your story. It's not going to be because, oh, this guy, he preaches great messages. Yeah, that's cool. But hopefully what that does is inspire you to share even better stories. To, to tell even better stories. So I want to read out of Exodus. And, and like I said, I, there's a, a, a small chance that we'll get through all of this. But I want to read out of Exodus chapter 13. Now, if you need to know the context for Exodus 13, what's happening here is the people of Israel have just been set free. The people of Israel, they've gone through the ten plagues. They've seen this incredible thing happen at the Red Sea uh, where Pharaoh's armies were defeated. So a, a few million people have just been, left Egypt after 400 years, after four centuries of slavery. And they've been set free. And so Exodus 13, God begins. I mean, this is immediately following the defeat of Pharaoh and his army, right? Immediately following. And God begins to do something. It begins to establish something in the people of Israel because now they are establishing their own customs. They're going to establish their own patterns. They're going to establish their own story. And so God says that they have to do something in particular. So let's read through Exodus 13 just for a moment. So Moses said to the people, this, everybody say this. This is a day to remember forever. How many of you remember the wrong days? How many of you are really good at remembering the days you should forget and forgetting the days you should remember? Right? How many of you are good at remembering the day that man made and forgetting the day the Lord made? Right? We get so caught up in what went wrong and what went badly, and we'll get to the end of a two-year stretch and go, it's all been bad. And it's not true. It could be really bad. It could be really difficult. But in there, there's always something, there's always a goal, there's always goal, there's always something in the middle of that two-year stretch, there's always something in the middle of that two-week stretch, there's always something in the middle of that two-day, two-minute, two-hour stretch. We go, oh, that was terrible. And, and God wants us to be better storytellers. I don't know if you know this, but a good story always has a bad moment. 
a good story. And, 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 and we, we may not always know where the end of that bad moment is just yet. I was just sitting with someone yesterday talking about how God has redeemed their story. I'm telling you, we got there. I can just look around the room and just tell you there is story after story after story after story after story after story of people who have seen Jesus in the midst of their worst moments. And he is faithful. Now, now, we get caught up in this idea that somehow because something good has happened that now everything's going to be good. I, that, I don't See, I don't think Jesus healed the paralyzed man on the mat and then said, oh, pick up your mat and walk. And then everything was good from then on out. Never, ever, ever did that man ever run into anything difficult ever again. I, I don't think that Jesus healed the blind man and, and the blind man just had the best life forever after. I, I don't believe he wrote some great song that all the kids sang forever, you know, like Frozen. I don't think anything like that happened. I, I, I don't think, I, I think what happens is God heals you so that you can move into the next season of your life. And the next season of your life is going to have some moments and God's going to bring you through so you can go into the next season. And all of them usually will have both good and bad, but that isn't really the point. The point isn't the good life. The point is that God is with you in your story and what God has started in you. He will be faithful to complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is not yet. God is working in us, and his story is a story of faithfulness. His story is, is the long game. His story is not, oh, man, we got to get a quick fix. How many of you know this is a culture of quick fixes? We just want to get it done right now. Man, I, pr I promise you, in three weeks, you will have the best body ever. Three weeks, I'm telling you. And after the third week, it goes back to what it was. It's amazing. It's incredible. We want the quick fix. We don't, we, we'd rather uh, look fit rather than be fit. It's amazing to me sometimes. We want our story to be so perfect and look so right and be all good. Uh, we forget that sometimes a good story requires some bad days. And that's not to say that God put those bad days in there. I, I, I don't like that people go, well, God made it happen. No, no. God is a redeemer of whatever has happened. God can work with whatever happens. God can make right whatever went wrong. God can, as long as we submit it and surrender it to him, God can make it right and continue to renew and bring about something fresh and life-giving. Guys, I've only made it eight words into our verse for the day. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery. Don't make the place of your slavery the present of your story. Too often, we allow the fact that we were in slavery to continue to keep us in slavery. Too often, we get so mad about the fact that we were there that we stayed there. In fact, the Israelites, at certain times in their story, before they got to the promised land, what did they begin to do? Why don't we just go back? But at least we had. And we begin to settle for the very least of what we could have. At least we, God's going, no, 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 I know, I understand. This is a journey. I know, I get it. This is a story. This is, this is moving us forward. Today the Lord has brought you out of the power of the mighty hand, uh, of his mighty hand, sorry. In the day in early spring, in the month of Abib, you have been set free. You must celebrate. Everybody say, you must. Everybody say, must. You must celebrate the good days. You must celebrate the God moments in your life. You must celebrate this event in this month each year after 
Now, this is the part where it gets pretty insane, right? After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites. I don't know if you just heard that, but what he said is, I just brought you out of Egypt so you could go into another land that's already possessed by five other groups of people. Sometimes your future isn't already prepared. He's just making it. He's just getting it prepared. He's just getting it set up. And you might have to fight some battles. And you might have to go through some things. But he still declared it yours. I think we've, we've gotten into a place where anytime we hit a wall, we, we go, oh, well, God must not be in it. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't, this doesn't feel right. Are you? No. Uh-uh. My son tells me all the time, well, I don't want, why do you not want to? Because I don't want to. That doesn't work. Sometimes feelings can betray you. Sometimes feelings are the worst things to go according to. I'm not saying feelings are bad. I think emotions are given to us for a reason. But more often than not, feelings are data, not direction. More often than not, you should not go according to your feelings. You should process according to your feelings and go, why am I feeling this way? And then go, oh, okay, so now I need to move this way. And so these guys, they, 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 they have to go into the land possessed by, they just left the land possessed by one group of people. Now we got to go into a land possessed by five different groups of people, and some of them are not very nice. And so Jesus uh, continues to work in our lives in a way that we, yeah, we still have to conquer some things. We still have to walk through some things. On the seventh day, you must explain to your children, I am celebrating what the Lord did for me when I left Egypt, this annual festival will be a visible sign to you, like a mark branded on your hand or your forehead. Let it remind you always to recite this teaching of the Lord. This teaching with the, of the Lord. With a strong hand, the Lord rescued you from Egypt. And in the future, your children will ask you, what does all this mean? Then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. And in the future, your children will ask you, well, why did they ask you? Because you set up a ritual. See, sometimes we get into a place like this. We come on a Sunday morning, and we let it become only a ritual. We let it become only a routine. We let it become simply a tradition. We allow it to become something devoid of its purpose. See, the purpose of our gathering on a Sunday morning, the purpose of our gathering on a Wednesday night, the purpose of us doing some of these ritualistic routine things is that we might look at them and remember what God has done. That we might remember. So what, what was going to tell these children that something had happened? Well, because we're throwing a party every year for a week celebrating what God had done. Why are we doing all this? Well, let me tell you a story. Because see, story, story is one of the most powerful things that we have as people. It has shaped history. It, it, is, it is the thing that connects us. It, it takes us above our circumstances, and, and it alleviates differences and allows us. In fact, you heard some of the stories this morning, and there's part of it that you could see yourself in. What's so amazing about the Bible is that it's a story of people, an epic story of people, imperfect people not always doing it the right way at the right time it's the story of people that God is using to bring heaven into earth to restore to redeem what was what he had created sometimes we look at the Bible and we allow it to become an instruction manual when what really it was meant to be was a way to identify who we are See, the story of the Bible is not one where we should look at all these characters and go, oh, I should be like them. 
I don't know if you've read the Bible, but there's a lot of these guys and ladies who are not, they're just not quite the role model I want for my children. They, they had moments of doubt. They had moments where they completely and totally did exactly the opposite of what God wanted them to do. They had moments where they had affairs or they had someone killed or they didn't. I mean, this, this is not. Really what the Bible is, is a place you should be able to see yourself. The Bible is a place that you should be able to see who you are. You should be able to go, oh, I identify with that moment when I didn't really believe God was going to show up. I identify with that moment when things didn't go the way they thought it was going to go. I identify with that time when the Israelites said, can we just go back to the way it was. I identify with that. But you know what I also identify with? That even in the midst of all of those things, God still loved them. God still wrote a story with them that God was still in the midst of their life. See, what, what the Jewish tradition would do, and I'm going to wrap it up here. The worship team can come up. I'm going to preach this one again next week because i got like seven more points. But I think it's important because in a, in a very hyper, almost aggressively individualistic culture, where it is so much about me and how I'm going to make it and I'm going to brand myself and I'm going to attach my name to quotes that a hundred other people have said, right? I'm going to create this and do that and it's always about branding my life and even to the point where we won't do certain things because we're worried about how it will reflect upon our brand, upon who we are. I won't, I won't do, because we're so hesitant because I'm not, See, that's, it's really, this is not a story of, of, and this, can I be corny for a second? This is not a story of me. You know where I'm going? This is a story of we. This is not just a story about you. It's a story of us. What if when you walked in on a Sunday morning, when you got to a dinner party on a Wednesday night, you didn't just go, what am I going to get? What am I? What if you go, oh, look at this amazing story, and Susan's story, and Mary's story is my story. Why do we do all this? Oh, let me tell you why. Because God, with his mighty hand, rescued a people. They rescued some friends of mine. They rescued some family. They rescued my grand. I could tell you this story about my great-great-grandmother that would just, oh my goodness, I'll tell it someday. Don't worry. I'll bring it to you. Because it has changed everything about my story. It's changed everything about where I'm at. Because someone was willing to tell their story and to let God tell their story. And the Jewish tradition would get you around the table at least once a week primarily once a week. They would get everyone around the table. They wouldn't just get, you know how we do this in America. We separate the kids from the adults, right? Because the kids can't handle what we're dealing with. Yeah, right. You can't even handle what you're dealing with. That's why you're over there crying at the adult table and the kids are having a blast. Like, let's be honest with ourselves, right? It's like, let's do a new believers class. So you see, we just need a believers class where we all remember that we should pray and read our Bible. Like, that's the... Okay. And, uh, and so... So, so sometimes we, th th what they would do is they would get around the table once a week, right? And I'm going to wrap this up with this, and, and then we're going to, I'm telling you, this is just part one, maybe part point two, okay? Um, they would get around the table, and they would open their Bibles, and they still do this, and they would read the story of their people every week as they're growing up, all the kids at the table, all the adults at the table, 
And the father would read through the story of their people. They would read the story of the deliverances. They would read the story of where God showed up. They would read the stories of the difficulties. And they would read the stories of all that was happening and all that had been done through the people that they would call their people. And, and, and at 13 years old, they would celebrate the fact that they'd moved into a new season of life. And at 18 years old, they would send their children off, not for searching for identity, which we love to do in Western culture. Hey, you graduated. Hey, go figure out who you are. Let me know how that goes. Right? But instead, they're sending these 17, 18, 19-year-old men and women out with a story of identity. Not a story of how to do it right and do it well and instruction, but identification. And they would walk out, and, and there's, no, there's no surprise that that, that that culture and that group of people are highly successful. And it has little to do with the instruction, although that is important and it is very much a part of the Bible. It has everything to do with identification. This is what God has done in my people and he can do in me. This is who my God is. This is what he's done in my family. This is what he can do in me. This is what God, this is who God is and that's who I'm going to believe in. That's who I'm going to live according to. And I have my identity set. How many of you know the issue in our culture is that we lack a sense of identity? I talked to a young man who I know that I've, I've, I've mentored over the years, and, 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 and it, he, he does not know his father because his father passed away at a very, very young age. And it is still the number one issue in his life is he did not know his father. In other words, he didn't feel like he knew where he came from. And you could tell him all the right things, and you could say do this and do that and do this and do that and do this and do that, and it will not solve the issue of what our heart needs, which is who am I and whose am I. See, this is not just a story of you and me. It's not just you and it's not just me. It is you and me. It is us. It is a story of us. It is a story of a people, not just a person. It's a story of followers of Jesus, although not perfect and although will not get it all right and will not always do it exactly the way God asked us to do it. It is a story of a God who even though we are not perfect and do not always do it right, he will redeem us. He will move with us. He will shape us through story. He will tell us. And when people say, why are you doing this? And you get to say, let me tell you why. I want to tell you about a person I heard the other day. Someone named Susan. Let me tell you about a friend of mine named Mary. Let me tell you about what happened in my life. And as we tell more stories, we will create more stories. Because this is not just a story about me. It's a story about we. It is the story of us. This is how you identify who you are, not just how you instruct what you do. Amen.